You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. This week I'm talking to Oscar-nominated director Rob Marshall. His new film Mary Poppins Returns is the hotly anticipated sequel to a Disney classic. We discuss the daunting task of rejuvenating the property more than a half century later and a whole lot more. So sit tight. This is Playback. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually fine. You sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, Ben. I'm good. Long day, huh? You know, it's it's okay, though, because it still feels kind of new. You yeah, know, we're still, it? yeah, we're, st- we're just at the beginning. And so, I mean, we just had a fun press conference with the whole cast and our writers. And so that was, it was just great to see everybody. That yeah. was really nice. So, you know, that, that's the, that, that's sort of like the plus side of things, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you're doing this, but you get to see all those people again mm-hmm. that you had, you know, get dragged from hotel room to hotel room. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Is it's that going to be how you think you'll, this is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, all fine. right. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. We're up and running. So oh, I'll fantastic. dive right in. Thank you. Here we are with Rob Marshall, the director of Mary Poppins returns. Also the writer. Yeah. Yes, I wrote. Yeah, you, was, I, first I, time, right? That you've written the script. Yes, I, I'd never been a member of the WGA before, yeah. um, and uh, but this was something I felt I needed to be part of the writing yeah. process for. And so myself and John DeLuca and David McGee all wrote the story, yeah. and then David wrote the screenplay, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And so yeah, it, you know what? I have to say that when you do an original musical, which I'd never done one for mm-hmm. film before, um, the only way I feel it can be done is if a director is involved literally from the very beginning yeah. because you're shaping the whole piece yeah. all of it you know it's not just something that people go away and do it has to be a real collaboration um this is such a complicated film in many ways because we're it's this grand balancing act as yeah. you know so it was it, the to, to to actually be part of the writing process which was a big part for me welcome to the writer's ranks i know thank you <laughs> thank you for doing the show really appreciate Thrilled it to do it thank you Chris. uh i saw the movie a few weeks ago at the pga screening actually on the lot there oh wow and, that, that uh, was a nice one yeah uh, superb movie uh caught me by surprise a little bit i don't really know what i was expecting i guess but i i just it's delightful it felt like as was kind of the rhetoric there, and, and it's real, it feels like something we kind of need mm. at the moment. I mean, did you feel that in the making of it? I did. I really felt, I mean, in a way, the whole, um, what guided me the entire time, the whole time, was this sense of what we were saying with this film, what I was saying with this film. Because um, this idea that in a dark time, there is a ray of light that can come and help you move through a darker time um, was something that was very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, you know, when you have um, a, a film, for instance, our film set in the 30s, the Depression era mm-hmm. in London, and it felt very connected to me to today. I, I feel a lot of people are struggling in life to make ends meet, to, mm-hmm. you know, to bring up a family. And, 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 and I also felt that this idea of loss, which is what our film's about too, you know, the loss of not only 
your the wonder and, and joy that you have as a child, you know, yeah. um, that loss is also part of, um, you know, uh, something that happens as you grow older, mm-hmm. you know, you, as you get older, life comes in and you have to, you know, you put away those things. And, and so that loss compounded with this idea that there's a loss of the, of the mother, for mm-hmm. instance, in this film, it was about a, a family that needed to heal. And so, you know, I, I, I've sort of found my way, um, through this with this in the entire time thinking that, you know, what I'd like to do is send a message of hope, not only to the story, to this family, et cetera, et cetera, but also I, I really thought it's kind of what we need mm-hmm. now. I mean, I certainly would like to go to the movies and be lifted out of my daily life into something that I find is, you know, has some, some, I don't know, hope and joy and all of that and and it's rare yeah and some people think of it as trivial but i actually think it's a a very profound thing yeah it's uh i was just having a conversation with some people out in the lobby uh a lot of great films this year but a lot of them just kind of make you feel like crap by design really yeah and it's just like the artistry is fantastic but it's just kind of the era dictates the art in a lot of ways you're so right so i I mean you're and, and so beautifully said because um I will say everyone involved in this film, from Meryl Streep to Emily Blunt to Lin-Manuel Miranda to Colin Firth, everybody wanted to be part of this so much, which was honestly a a tribute to the fact that everybody wanted to send this message out into the world right now. Mm -hmm. And and I feel that you're absolutely right. It's about the time that you live in. What, you know, what do we need? And and I just felt like, you know, that carried me through this very complicated three years of creating this film. Mm-hmm. And it's why ultimately for me, it's my most personal film because mm-hmm. it, it really resonates deeply with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a message that I f- sort of try and live every day, which yeah. is sort of sort of to find, you know, look at things from a sort of a positive place, look at things from a place of wonder and sort of, in, you know, in, in a way, innocence, mm-hmm. sort of say, how can you, how can you, how can you view life? And it's the, what P.L. Travers did in mm-hmm. all these books, you know, this wild, crazy, enigmatic character helps, you know, children um, sort of rediscover you know, uh, joy in life. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it, you know, I know it, it's funny when you say it, it could sound somewhat trivial, but I find it very, very, very important. That's elemental. I think it I is mean, elemental. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it helps you get up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said at that screening I was at, you said that Mary Poppins was the first movie you saw and it stuck with you. It's why true, why did it stick with you? Is it th- those reasons? Well, you know what? I was too young probably to really absorb all that. I, what I do remember is sort of the big general feeling of music, magic, fantasy, you know, big movie screen, performances, dance, all of that. I know that launched me into the world of musicals and into the world of choreography. You know, I started as mm-hmm. a dancer. You know, um, I know it opened my soul, whole mind to that and whole life to that 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 whole you know this the genre Mm -hmm. and i of course have revisited the film over and over again over the years and and now you know of course know it so deeply and i feel it's actually very much inside me but you know i what a perfect film and and, you know i found out it's a lot of people's first film 
Yeah, it's the it's the it's the perfect film to to bring to you know to open someone's mind to a child's mind to. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I I mean certainly I remember that and bed knobs and brooms. Yes, exactly. Early exactly, know. which is why we cast Angela. One of the reasons we cast Angela. I didn't know she was in the movie. By the way, I mean I, I looked and I was like, oh, they announced this. It was not a surprise, but I didn't. I missed that. I guess. Well, so she comes she late up. in the film, and it's a it's a it's a P.L. Travers character, the balloon lady, and yeah. she has to have a little bit of magic to her. Too so, yeah. and, and and it's and it's not a it's not a big role. So in a moment, you need to accept the fact there's there's some magic about her, mm-hmm. and Angela just carries that with her because yeah. of not only she's a great actress, but you know she's Mrs. Potts. She's mm-hmm. you know she's she's um, she's elemental as well. She's <laughs> elemental as well. Exactly. Uh, you obviously need to and want to maintain a fidelity uh, to the original aesthetic of the film, right? Yes, but within exactly. that. Um, you know, what were your ideas to innovate and, and break the mold a little bit? Or, or were you keeping a strong eye on not overreaching in that way? It's such a good question because I, you know, that was the balancing act the entire time. But for me, the m- most important thing was to sort of forge new territory. Um, and that w- that all came together when I chose to place it in the 30s when the original books were written. Um, you feel the Depression era in the books. You know, there's it's so interesting. In, in the books, they talk about 17 Cherry Tree Lane being the shabbiest house on the street mm-hmm. and that um, Mrs. Banks had a choice between fixing up the house or having children. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get a sense of that inside the, you know, inside the um, the actual books themselves. But my, my goal was to really um, look for a new story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And the question really was, what happened to Michael and Jane? You know, um, here it is 25 years later from the original film, 1910 is when it was set, when Walt Disney set it then. And so, you know, where, what happened? And, 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 and we had to look for a big reason for Mary Poppins to return, mm-hmm. you know. And that was this whole idea of loss and, and loss of, you know, all, is, that, is what I, I said before. And, 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 that, and that really... Um, that was that was the the focus because I wanted new music, an original score, original story. Mary Poppins, of course, is the same character; she doesn't age, you mm-hmm. know. But but it, it's played by a different woman, of course, and and you know you have Michael and Jane's characters grown up. But it's it's sort of like I was looking for a new new story, mm-hmm. and um, it because it's I think too easy. To sort of just say, well, we're just going to do. I mean, first of all, who would? I mean, it's such a perfect film, the original film. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really about how can we follow that, but stay, as you said, in the feeling of the first film, and with you know, I, I really wanted to respect and pay homage to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was important to me because I used myself honestly as a barometer. I thought to myself, okay, what would I want to see? <laughs> you know, if I came to see a sequel of Mary Poppins, I would want to see an animation sequence with live action. You know, I'd want to see something like that, you know. So yeah. I used myself all the time as sort of like the big fan of the film. Like I know everybody, many people are. Um, but how do you do that at the same time create something new? That leaves me wondering, like, at what at what point did the needle spike and you're like, ah, let's not do that. Well, you know what? I remember we were looking at something um, early on where we were going to score something with some music from the first film. Um, And there was a line. I remember first when Mary Poppins arrived that we had originally. 
I think she says hello to Jack. She lands from the kite from this big storm and she lands and she says, um, how are you, Jack? And he says, super califragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> and it just was too much. I yeah. mean, we had just, our, you know, Mary Poppins ha- have, you know, hadn't even landed on the earth and she, and we're already referencing the You're other already film winking. Yeah. and winking. And I just, that's such a good, that's such a great way to say it winking because it's so, it was so easy to send it up yeah. or wink. And I thought, no, yeah. we have to be so, so careful to really play the truth of this, to really feel connected to this family, to understand this is a real dilemma for these people. So you can then be invested in these characters. And then when they go on these adventures, you know, then it's then you can go with them. But then when we come back to reality, you're feeling, I don't know, somehow emotionally connected to this, these people. Yeah. Uh, regarding the aesthetic uh, conversation and just you know maintaining a vibe. I was actually curious if digital versus celluloid was a conversation because you went with yeah. the, the Alexa. Yes, yeah, exactly. So. Well, you know it, it was because I love shooting on film. You mm-hmm. know, it's just that it's it's so much more expensive now and it's so complicated to do. It's just slower. And I already knew what I had on my plate. Mm-hmm. I knew what I had on my plate was enormous. It felt like I was doing literally three movies at once. Yeah. Because, you know, not only are you doing an original musical, you know, you're working with children, you're working with a lot of visual effects, you're also working with animation. That whole sequence is 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the layers of all that, I thought, you know what, I have to be able to move as quickly as possible. So I spent some time with Dion Beebe, our cinematographer, and I, you know, I basically said, can we make this look as rich and as beautiful as possible? And he was certain we could. Um, it's hard. You know, the departure film was a hard one for me. My first film, Chicago, was on film. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it, I love the texture of it. I love the feel of it. But I thought we really did everything we could to make it feel as rich and as sort of visceral as possible. Are you happy with it? The very, look? very yeah. happy okay. with it. Very happy. Thank you for asking. I'm very happy. You know, you mentioned this, but a movie like this, you're involved in so many disciplines, right? You've got the choreography, which obviously is, is your trade anyway, animation, songwriting, yes. on top of the usual, yes. uh, the, you know, dealing with the production design and costumes and all of this. Uh, you know, obviously choreography is a big passion of yours. I'm just curious if any of these popped out as like your favorite thing to get your hands dirty with, you know? Well, I have to say the animation sequence, which because I've never attempted anything like that or worked with animators or anything like that, that was... The most daunting, the most exciting, and the, and the hardest work mm. because – and we started with it. That's the first thing we started oh, really? filming because it's all hand-drawn animation. Need time, yeah. So they needed time. So we actually I, – I edited that whole sequence um, while I was still shooting so we could get it to them so they could start working mm-hmm. on it. Um, that means Sandy Powell was working hard earlier. <laughs> Everybody was like, what? We're doing that first? And I said, guys, you know what? We need to for the animators. Yeah. And I mean as it was, we had a, over 14 months of post-production and they used every second of that because every single frame has hand-drawn animation on yeah. it. And so um, – but that that – you know, we had animators in the room with us. We had choreographers in the room with us, dance arrangers, of course, musical directors, composer, lyricist, all that. Plus you are, you know, choreographing, as you said, John DeLuke and myself are literally choreographing animals, you know, mm-hmm. penguins and flamingos. And we used reference dancers for all of that. So we would shoot it kind of three times. We would shoot it once with just, um, 
Emily alone, for instance, to say there was a section, and then would be, and then we do just like, for instance, the the reference penguins, and mm-hmm. then we would actually shoot it with all of them, so we could create the frame we were looking for, and so you would have all these layers. It was a and very complicated sequence, but so great to work with these animators, and they had to learn how to work inside a live action movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they would say something like to me, like. Well, you know, now Lynn Manuel can just jump over there, and I said, "Well, he's a person, so it's going to take him a little more time than you're saying to just <laughs> whack over there." You know what I mean? Because they see things in animation yeah. speed. So that was fascinating. And then, you know, but then I had to learn from them too. I mean, there was a moment where Lynn had a penguin on his cane, mm-hmm. and a penguin is, you know, is 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 sort of perched on there. And they said, you know, it needs to be heavier than that. We need to show yeah. – Lynn needs to show that there's a heavy penguin on his on his cane. And so, I mean, that's a little example of how we were working together to find this. And, of course, to coordinate all of that together, there was visual effects involved in that yeah. to sort of put the 2D animation into our movie, into a live-action film. So – it was fascinating like to work omelet. on. It was, it was, it was. But uh, you know, it's a 15-minute sequence. It has three sort of big sections to it. But wow, I mean, seeing that come to life, seeing the pencil sketches turn into some color, into like you know, fully realized, you know, a fully realized sequence. I mean, that process was yeah. unbelievable. That's an amazing sequence. Oh, thank you. Uh, I feel like, if I recall, Mark Platt. One of your producers mentioned that uh, some of the some people came out of retirement to work on that. Yes, you're Disney absolutely right. Animators? Yeah. Well, because what's interesting is that hand drawn animation is really becoming a lost art. Yeah. Um, although I was hopeful on this film because we did bring a bunch of guys out of retirement who we needed the expertise. They were thrilled though because <laughs> it was this project. Yeah. So they came and but what was great was there were some twenty somethings you're you know that were really interested in learning the old school, old style, classic animation. And so hand-drawn animation. So they much more interested in that than, you know, than the computer generated work. And so they came on board to learn from these masters. It was incredible to walk in there and see them all working together. Did you happen to have anybody that had worked on the first film by chance? No, you know what? I did meet somebody though recently. I can't remember his name, a lovely man who saw the film, but he's, I think he's sort of even past, you know, retirement Mm -hmm. at this point. But, Mm -hmm. but we, you know, we had, we had some guys who'd done the classic work on, for instance, like Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, yeah. that era. Not, yeah. but not quite the era yeah. of, of Mary Poppins. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. this guy I, I, met, I met. This is an aside. His name's Milton Kwan. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. He, he's he's a 108 years old. Oh, I think my he's, Lord. He's, he's he was a Disney animator way back in the day, and he was in the movie Speed. He oh, was one my. of the passengers on the bus. No, you're kidding. And I did this story where I caught up with all of those actors to do like an oral history of Speed. And he had all these watercolors he had drawn of like the bus and stuff no. on the set. It was just such an interesting guy. Oh, that's guy. so cool. I know so. they sp- – instead of speaking, you know, they're always drawing. We had this fantastic <laughs> workshop where we just put everybody together, all these animators together so we could create the sequence at the Disney Studios. And um, do you know that there's a, there, there's, a, there's a great bungalow there that's from the original studio mm. and it's called the Hyperion Bungalow? Mm-hmm. So we were there, which was felt very right. We were like in a, like the original <laughs> studio and uh, – and the guys were incredible and the women, they were so – I mean we would talk and they would just – their heads would be down and just sketching, sketching, sketching and show me a, a, you know, a sketch or a picture. Um, and then you know, how about this? And that's how they 
that's how they offered their ideas. It mm-hmm. wasn't sort of speaking. It was by visual. It's probably easier, right? Much easier. They said, well, yeah, how about this? And so we started storyboarding that and putting it all around the room until we had the whole sequence. Cool. That was fun. Uh, I'm curious what's been the like the cumulative snowball effect from you know your Broadway days through like uh, all these movie musicals that you've made Chicago Nine Into the Woods and now this like what has been the snowball effect of what you've learned and applied going forward with each thing you mm-hmm. know what I mean such a great question Chris really um, you know it's funny I always feel <laughs> when I start a film like I've never done anything before you know mm-hmm. so but then what kicks in is your gut. Your, your gut about things. And I, I learned early on just to trust that because you have more knowledge than you think you do. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think for this one, I needed all that, the arsenal of all of that because it was a new musical, which I'd never done before. And I thought I really need to know, you know, how to build this, um, make sure that the music comes out of the story, that it feels seamless earned a song should feel earned you know musicals that don't work are musicals where they start singing and it doesn't feel earned somehow Mm -hmm. it feels awkward it Mm -hmm. feels embarrassing Mm -hmm. you know um they shouldn't be singing Mm -hmm. and so it, it was my goal to really create a fabric of a film where we could tell the story through song but it felt like the the rules of the of 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 the filmmaking and and that's, it seems, it should seem effortless when you see it. You should, well, of course they have a song there. But mm-hmm. knowing that we tried many different songs, we had four or five different songs for l- literally most of the material. Like we tried, I know Lin-Manuel's first song, I think we had maybe four or five songs. Um, Emily Blunt's first song, that was a big deal because it's the first time Mary Poppins sings in 54 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I, 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 I think we had five different songs for sure. I mean, it was that kind of work. Um, but we all knew that the bar was so high. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were reaching. How did you like that process getting involved with original music and in working with the songwriters and all of that? I love that part. Yeah. Um, you know, it was great to be able to sit down and sort of craft a story with David McGee and John DeLuca and then bring Mark and Scott in to help us flesh it out and find, you know, where it works. And it's such a give and take. You really have to park your egos at the door Mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes the best scene becomes a song, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, a song doesn't work. So it becomes a scene, you know, it all has to flow. But what, what wins is the, is the film. Yeah. You know, that's what you're, you're serving that same thing. You're serving it the whole time. And I mentioned her briefly. How about that Sandy Powell? Oh, my um, gosh. She's something else. I mean, I never worked with her before. Yeah. And she'd never done a musical before. You so. usually work with Colleen Atwood. Is exactly, that true? Yeah. Exactly. So you're working with two, the two best, I think. <laughs> well, they're amazing. <laughs> I will say I, I feel like, you know, completely spoiled. Yeah. But they're extraordinary. And she was amazing. You know, she's British. And I that was actually very helpful on this. She had her own take on that era, the 30s. I know, for instance, Mary Poppins. That was very important. Because, you know, we looked at a lot of period films and period photographs and and artwork. Um, it was very helpful, actually. There was one, you know, the, there's a, a beautiful red coat that she wears. And that was specifically designed so that because most of it, the, the sequence happens at night. Mm-hmm. So you so she stands out in the, in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. And 
I remember saying to Sandy that we're, I really need to find something that moves because there's a big dance number. Uh, it's called Trip a Little Light Fantastic. And she's, you know, being lifted and spinning and turning. I said, it really needs to be a, a you know, a, a costume that moves. And so we went to swing time and looked at Ginger Rogers outfits. Mm, okay. And that was really helpful to see, you know, what we could, what we could use from that. So how did they, how did they work, you know, skirts yeah. into that? And it, so all of that was great. She's an amazing artist. She, um, came up with this wonderful idea of hand painting all the costumes yeah. and for the animation sequence. So it would be integrated into, um, the, the hand-drawn world, yeah. which is so great. I like when you see, for instance, Emily has a full length skirt. That's like a pink and white striped skirt that she first arrives in, in, uh, uh, in the animated world. And that's what she's wearing. And, and there's a series of tears to it, mm. but there, but there are, are no tears. It's all painted as if there were tears. It's a flat piece of material that's all wow. hand painted. So it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty genius. We should mention your production designer too, John Meyer, John Meyer. Um, You've won him, I think. I say that, but you know, you've won him a few Oscars already. Uh, <laughs> he, he's uh, fantastic, and these sets. Like, where did where did you shoot mo- the bulk of this? So the it was all shot in London. All there, okay. um, but we did do um, a lot of location work. Yeah. Um, one of the things that John Meyer and I really wanted to try and 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 create was the sense of a real London, mm-hmm. um, not just sort of a fantasy London, but a real space, uh, a place, especially cause we were in the depression era and wanted to connect to that world. So, you know, we were shooting at tower bridge. We were shooting at, you know, Buckingham palace and the real St. Paul's cathedral, you know, mm-hmm. that was so exciting to be in London. It felt in a way like a, a love letter to London. Um, and then in juxtaposition with that, you have these, fantasies where you can do anything, yeah. you know, go anywhere. And so, I mean, he's such a visual master. Um, and, but he's so aware of my vision. He just really wants to kind of like get in my head and say, what are you seeing? How do you see it? And he understands musicals and how they move now after having done so many. I mean, I, I think I've done five movies with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I feel like in a funny way, do you know what the Arthur Freed unit is from the MGM today? So in, no. in MGM, they had something called the Arthur Freed unit. He was a producer and they, that's the, that's the production company that produced, you know, that produced all the great musicals, all of them. And so they had a machine kind of going, they would have the choreographers and the directors they would use like Stanley Doan and Vincent yeah. Minnelli. And then they would have, you know, the, the set designers and they all sort of had a language. And I have like this little mini Arthur Freed unit, I call it, where, you know, I work with designers that I've worked with before or a cinematographer, you know, that I worked with DP that I worked with before, um, musical people that I've worked with before. So everyone knows and can feed into this machine because we've now done a few musicals and it's, Mm -hmm. it's been great to carry that on. When you were on location, I'm curious, did you have like a bunch of crowds turning out to see Mary Poppins in the streets? Yeah, they were very excited. <laughs> I remember what we were pulling up to. We, we shot at um, the Royal Exchange for our bank, you know, and uh, that played the Fidelity Fiduciary Bank in our film. <laughs> and I remember we were driving up and I saw a woman in a Mary Poppins costume literally crossing the street. I said, oh, here we go. <laughs> there we go. Here they come. But it means a lot to so many people, especially when you're in London. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, that was, it was fun. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you what you think uh, the future is for cinematic musicals. Mm. Uh, because, you know, will it stay locked into the sort of classical conventions that are tried and true and that we all obviously keep coming back to? Or do you think... 
well, you know, do you think there's innovation happening mm. uh, to really break form? Like, what do you think about that future? Such a good question too, Chris. Um, I feel it depends on the property, you know, like with Chicago, for instance, I knew I needed a really strong concept to make that work. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's sort of chancy, obviously, because here I was creating two realities. One was on stage, a vaudeville stage, and one was in the reality of the 20s in Chicago and mixing those two back and forth throughout the film. But that's what that particular property called for. Mm -hmm. That piece called for that. I think the thing to do is make the piece that you're working on come to life. And there are no rules. You just have to find what's at the essence of it. And, you know, always think story. What is it? What is the story? How are you telling the story? People will accept any way to tell a story as long as you're consistent with it and you really set the rules up at the beginning. I really feel that. And so, and sometimes, you know, a story sings and feels right. Sometimes it just is not a musical and, you know, you have to kind of go with your gut on something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I got two final things here. First, quickly, uh, do you have any plans or desire to head back to the stage and and do something? Oh, Chris, that's that's interesting. You know, I've I've toyed with it. In fact, I almost did in between, um, you know, doing uh, Into the Woods and 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 Mary Poppins Returns. I, I I was almost did, but then you know what happens for me is that I feel in a odd way when I'm doing a film musical. I feel like I'm in, in, in a way doing theater too. Mm-hmm. We because we approach it similarly. You know, you, there's a rehearsal process. You know, you're building it like that, um, and then of course it moves into a whole nother genre. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, somehow I maybe because I come from theater, I still am so excited by what cinema can do mm-hmm. um even though it takes so much longer <laughs> yeah. so much longer but i don't know i i still am so excited by it yeah. and the theater is where i came from and i love that so much but i still feel like this is the, the whole new landscape for me yeah. you know and you have something at the end of it the theater's kind of drawing in the sand that's and, true i mean that's the magic of it right yeah. you, you've seen it did you see it it's gone you know yeah, and, yeah. and this uh, stays forever so yeah. that is that that's actually a special part of yeah. it too. And then finally, uh, you know, you're probably getting asked about this. I'm just curious if, if it's real or if you're still, if you're talking about it, but what's going on with the little mermaid? Is that something that's going to happen for you? Well, it's, it's, you know, it was, it was really, uh, lovely that, uh, Disney approached me about that. It's a big title for them, obviously. Yeah. And so right now, uh, myself and John DeLuca are in sort of what I would call the exploratory process of mm-hmm. looking at it and seeing if it could become a film, mm-hmm. a live action film. It's so different. Then, yeah, you know, and it's a lot of challenges to that film. Yeah, um, so underwater. How do you do that? Underwater, <laughs> it's incredible. And singing underwater, yeah. you know, staging underwater. Yeah. We had a one, you know, we had a wa- underwater sequence in this, and yeah. that was that was complicated with children and mm-hmm. flying and all kinds of things. We actually with that sequence, which I could never, I would never be able to do this on something like Little Mermaid, but we they sang it. Emily sang it twice as fast. So we sped up the tape sound like uh-huh. literally like Minnie Mouse. Uh-huh. And she, so and so that when we played it back at speed, there's a sort of a sense – this is for the whole number. There's a little bit of a sense of float, uh, floating yeah. and kind of a little bit of a otherworldliness to it. But Interesting. Honestly, I could never do an entire movie like that. We could probably have a whole conversation about the sound <laughs> elements here too. But oh, uh, we got to wrap it up. Oh, thank you, Chris. But uh, movies Mary Poppins Returns. It is, Jordan, what's the release date? 
December 19th. December 19th. Go see it. I'm sure you'll be hearing about it. Uh, great holiday movie for the family and great work with it, man. I really like it. Thank you, so. Chris. I really appreciate Congrats, that. Thank Thanks you so much. Show. Thank you for this wonderful interview. Of course.